In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the True Life Podcast. We got a special for you today. This is part one of a multi-part series. We're here with Nick from Wake. He is a uh, a tech entrepreneur, a full-time biohacker, co-founder, CEO of Wake, a really cool individual that's interested in figuring out how we can measure the performance of people and how we can heal people with psychedelics. And he's doing some really interesting work I want to share with everybody today. Nick, did I leave anything out? Did you want to introduce yourself in any other ways right there? I think you did a great job. Thank you for the introduction. It's great to be here. Thanks so much. Oh, the pleasure's all mine, man. I've been reading a little bit about your work, and uh, it seems to me your company, Wake, is taking like a, a three-pronged approach at solving a lot of problems we see today, a bioscience, a therapeutics, and a wellness aspect to this world of psychedelics and it's it's fascinating what you're doing what, what do you what do you want to start with today i mean we could go anywhere uh wake is vertically integrated so we do everything from the lab work to the actual growing of the mushrooms to the processing putting it into some cool products like capsules chocolates uh doing exports all over the world uh, legally of course and then we have people come down to our retreats here in Jamaica and soon to be also British Virgin Islands. And uh, they go through the process with us and with our wonderful guides. And we get a lot of data. And so I'm a geek that made a mushroom company over COVID. That's probably the easiest way to put it. That's so awesome. And you know what? You're doing something that I haven't seen anybody else do. And I want to bring that to the attention of the audience. You know, one of the problems we see in the world of psychedelics today whether it's through insurance companies or doctors or just self-practitioners, is the, is the measuring of data. And the, the question, the problem is, how can you manage what you don't measure? And it seems to me you're bridging that gap. It seems to me that you have found a way to measure using genomics and using that with treatments. Can you explain that process a little bit? Yeah. So as I mentioned, I'm a geek. My background is all in tech and health and health tech, really. 
And so I saw this as an opportunity to try and help to quantify some of the differences pre and post psychedelics. And there's a lot of uh, great stories and, and a lot of healing that people have been able to achieve. But without data, uh, the regulators, the research community, the medical community, unfortunately, doesn't take it at its best glance and, and says that mainly it's anecdotal. <clears throat> now, uh, what we thought of was, how can we quantify this with FDA regulated devices? Uh, so we, we take their heart rate, their blood pressure, their pulse oximetry. Uh, we also read their brains with some amazing devices, uh, including EEG as well as FNIRS. Uh, we've got a great partnership with Kernel, that's K-E-R-N-E-L. They make an amazing helmet that is able to read your brain and the hemoglobin concentration that's going on. And then we have scales, which are basically uh, validated tools by the medical community to say, if you score this number on this, this form, then you will get a, uh, then, then unfortunately you are, you are, you are diagnosed with uh, something like depression or something like anxiety. So we, we mix all of that together. And then we allow for not only the person who comes down, our clients, uh, to see the data, as well as the research community, their medical providers, so that we can actually make sense of uh, maybe what is, how is this working? How is it helping them? And then show to regulators that this is working and then hopefully insurers as well to, uh, to see that it's not just anecdotal. So we saw it as uh, an opportunity for us to bring something to the community, uh, just based on my background with tech, to say this is working and, uh, and maybe this is why, but at least it gives us data that we can start from. Now on the genomic side of things, we're working with the Lieber Institute where we're looking to really um, find a good marker within the genomics that, uh, that says this person might be a good candidate or for something like psilocybin, and if so, how much psilocybin uh, would they require, which is really depending on the, the receptor site in their brain. So it's early days. We're doing uh, a number of, of studies where we take their saliva, we take their blood. The blood goes off to UC Davis. The saliva, as I said, goes to the Lieber Institute, which is uh, based at Johns Hopkins. And then we really try and make sense of it. So we're on a mission to get an N of 300. An N in, in clinical trials is, is the number of people. And from that, we should have enough data to, to actually try and make some signal from the noise. Yeah, that's fascinating to me. You had mentioned in an earlier part of the conversation before we went live that there's different gaps in receptor sites or there's different sizes of receptors. Is that mm -hmm. what? Can you explain that a little bit? I've never heard that before. Yeah. So some people require more psilocybin than others, and it's not based on your body weight um, like some other things. And so it's really around the 5-HT2A receptor site itself. And some people will require more because they have a difference in their receptor site. And so that will affect uh, the amount that they have, they, that they require. We've had people come through our retreats that um, are small in, in BMI and body mass index, but require twice as much than, than somebody much bigger than them. And that's really down to, to, to the receptor site, not to, to their bodies. And how, how do you measure something like that? Well, that's what we're, we're working on with the Libra Institute. That's right. really what we're going for. So at this point, there's no measurement. Uh, we give them what they've discussed with their medical provider as well as our medical providers. And then what we're trying to get to is, will you be a good candidate is number one. And then if so, how much uh, psilocybin or another compound will you require? So that's really what we're working on. Yeah, that's fascinating. And I, I think that this is exactly what's needed. Another sort of divide that we see, or at least that I've been reading about, is that, you know, psychedelics 
can help us do a lot. But I think it's fair to say that psychedelics, even though Matt Zeman, great guy who has a great book, says psychedelics are for everyone. Even if you ask him, he'll say, well, they're not really for everyone. And the people that it wouldn't be for may be people that have had psychotic breaks or mm-hmm. you know some some sort of episodes like that and it seems to me that you guys are filtering out for that i don't know what the answer is and i'm not sure anybody does but there's something to be aware of there like there there are some some, some kind of psychotic breaks that may may make using psychedelics worse what are your thoughts on that or is there any way to move around that particular area or what do you think yeah. about that no you're absolutely right and it's uh, something that really needs to be um said because we we don't want to suffer some of the things that right. happened in the 70s where you know everything had, got cast backwards because of that kind of mentality um everybody needs to come into it and and have medical uh, advisory and and their medical professionals be informed of what they're trying to do or, or would like to do um things like schizophrenia bipolar and, and if you have it in your family, so not necessarily if you always have it, but also if it's in your family, uh, it is something to, to talk to a medical provider about. Uh, if you look at the clinical trials on psilocybin, it's usually an exemption, uh, sorry, an um, exclusionary criteria that people that uh, have either bipolar or schizophrenia uh, are unfortunately not able to be a part of the studies. And so uh, it's... It's tough to say that they should not try psychedelics right. because it's really for a medical provider to say that. And we have had uh, people reach out to us that have, that have, that have actually had success uh, with their bipolar. So it's not for us to say. We're really here as a provider. We grow it. We provide the, the medicine itself. We provide the, the safe space for them to do it. Uh, but really, we have medical providers on staff that talk to them. We, uh, we talk to them prior to them being able to book Nobody's able to just book a ticket. They have to go through our process where we do screen out. Unfortunately, not everybody can come down. But um, really, the more we learn, the more people that we're able to, uh, to learn from. So not just people that come through ours, but other cl- clinical trials in the world, other retreats that are also doing data gathering. Uh, we're going to get to a better place where we can make uh, better assumptions and, and really give better guidance. At this point, unfortunately, it's usually exclusionary criteria that, yeah, if they've had psychotic breaks in the past uh, or schizophrenia or bipolar, uh, unfortunately, they're not able to, uh, to come down. And that's just erring on the side of safety. We really want people to have access, but we also don't want to make anything worse. So um, at this point, it's, it's just out of precaution. I do think we'll get to a smarter place as a society, uh, as a psychedelic industry, where we can provide particular compounds uh, for people that, that have um, those, those kind of things in their, in their medical history or their family medical history. But at this point, abundance of caution. Um, unfortunately, that's, that's where it, it really stands. Yeah, and it's it's important, and I think you guys are like I said. It seems to me that you're at the forefront of you know working with the Libra Institutes and actually finding a way to individualize this process and take the subjectivity out and and actually begin to measure. And when you can measure, then you can manage. You know, I read an interesting article at Rolling Stone that talked about one of the Philadelphia Flyers that you guys were mentioned in. That was mm-hmm. a tremendous article, and I think it speaks volumes of the way in which psychedelics particularly mushrooms and particularly what you guys at wake are doing can you share some some background on helping out some of the people that have come down there or you know, i don't want to i know you have some ndas probably and stuff like that but maybe you can share some stories about people that have come down and you've been able to help 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, Riley Cote, uh, I think, is who you're mentioning, and he's a wonderful advisor of ours. So he wouldn't he wouldn't be too bothered if I mentioned his name. We're we're really good buddies. Um, you know, he's been on this journey longer than than I have, and has seen the benefit. And we linked up right in the beginning of Wake. So he was actually on our very first retreat pre-COVID. And uh, it was quite a, a magical moment of, of creation. And so um, what we've seen is that traumatic brain injury, whether it's from sports or um, veterans coming from, from the theater of war, unfortunately, uh, that have traumatic brain injury, it affects them in more ways than, uh, than, than they know. And they call it the invisible injuries. And what we've learned now is that it affects them uh, with their hormones as well as obviously with the brain activity itself. And so we've worked with a number of doctors, Dr. Mark Gordon being one of them, to, to really find how we can personalize their therapy where we blend in a, uh, a blood sample for their, for their hormones and then we supplement them with hormones uh, naturally with, with hormone therapy. And we also use our uh, brain scanning technology to really see, okay, which area of the brain is being affected by the, uh, the, the one or many traumatic brain injuries you've been, you've experienced, and then how can we tailor your therapy uh, accordingly? And so it's been really interesting to work with a number of different well-known athletes that have suffered from TBIs. So that's from the NFL, the NHL, um, from boxing, UFC, and how do we tailor it working with people like Dr. Gordon's uh, team, wonderful guy. And what's interesting, and a lot of people don't realize, and, and it's thanks to Dr. Gordon really that, that this has come to light, is that TBI affects obviously the brain, but it affects the pituitary gland. And the pituitary gland is responsible for your hormone regulation. And if, that is, uh, if that's injured, now your hormone regulation is, is out of whack. And we don't know exactly uh, what causes um, particular hormones not to produce it's really, it's just dysregulated. So it's not that everybody with a TBI will have this hormone issue. It's, it could be a different one for everybody. Uh, but that makes you more susceptible to things like depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress. And so our traditional model of giving people pills for their depression, but not addressing the hormones obviously hasn't worked. And that is what we hear time and time again from the athletes, from the veterans that come down is that they're usually from their alumni associations, they're given all the pharmaceuticals that they could ever ask for or not ask for, but they're not working and it's not helping them. And it's frustrating because they want to get better. They want to get back to their, their normal self. And unfortunately, no matter how much uh, therapy or pills they're taking, it's just not working. And so it's a bit of a, a fresh look when they, when they come through our program, when they work with the, uh, the likes of Dr. Gordon within our program because they see and they understand a little more uh, what's causing things. And within six months, uh, it's, it's an amazing, remarkable change in most of these individuals where the understanding and then the actual clarification by, by the results is, uh, is just profound. So it's something that we're hoping to bring to more and more people. When you blend that with psychedelics, you're giving uh, a fresh look on life. You're giving them the, the neuroplasticity that's that's generated from psychedelics and it it really it really helps so uh riley's been a wonderful contributor to to us he's brought us a lot of his friends um we've got an espn documentary coming out in april where he he came back with a really close friend of his um and and they went through the therapy together 
So we're, we're very much looking forward to, to showing the world that this works. It is for, um, for, for, for people to respect and to learn about. Um, as you said, it's not for everybody, but it is something that really needs to be uh, explored. Yeah, there's so many great points there. And I think that another area that you guys seem to be pioneering, at least in the, in the literature that I've read, is the marriaging and the managing of psilocybin or psychedelics with different hormones. I, th I, 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 as an individual have been experimenting and this is, I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I'm not anything, but I'm just saying that I have noticed an incredible amount of positive reinforcement and an incredible amount of synergy. If you take something like psilocybin and HGH. I think that those things work in harmony together. And this is Nick, Nick from wake is not saying this is just George from true life saying this, but I think you're onto something when you start talking about the regulating of hormones in synergistic fashion with psilocybin. And it seems to me you're on the forefront of that. I, I'm wondering, are you guys able to take, obviously you can't publish information from clients that come down, but you can write scientific studies that show here is this individual that has used this hormone. Here is this individual that has that we have seen, uh, you know, a different sort of. Um, you're able to take the clients that have come down and show the feedback that they have had. Are you guys going to be publishing studies later with different doctors that have sh have shown randomized studies, and you're able to show the progress of these in different individuals? Yeah. Yeah. What you're talking about is a retrospective. And so uh, it's a it's not an RCT, a randomized clinical trial. Uh, those are you know the best and those unfortunately are the most expensive and, and tough to get approved. Um, but if you are able to do a look back, as you called it, then you can. And those are powerful. And, and it's down to the end. The more people in something like a retrospective, uh, the more weight, the more power it has. And so, yes, we will be. We, we take this opportunity really um, seriously and we're and we're glad that we can uh, provide things like a, a study like this based on our help that we're that we're giving people down here uh, we're really focused on doing the whole vertical of the mushroom so that we we know what goes in them so we grow here at a, at a large 50 acre farm and I'm hoping in our next podcast we can introduce Terry uh, who's a, a wonderful friend that we've been working on this journey together with and, uh, and then we, we administer it and we give it to people at our retreats. As I mentioned, I think earlier, we do exports. So we've done exports to the US and Canada with our friends at the DEA and Health Canada. Um, but we really, we, we want to pr produce data so that people can make informed decisions. And that's everybody from the medical community to the research community to the regulators. The more data that we can provide uh, through the work that we do, uh, the better. It's awesome to hear. You guys are like a farm to table kind of a sort of outfit. Like you have, That's you're right. growing everything down there. Let's talk about what you're, you're partly in Canada, but you're partly in Jamaica too. What's the connection there? Yeah. So I'm a Canadian. You can probably tell from some of my, <laughs> some of my twang. Uh, we, we are started in Canada and I came down to Jamaica because of the legalities or the lack of illegality around psilocybin. So we're able to grow. We're able to sell. We're able to do our retreats. And the government has been a, a really strong supporter of ours. We've had a number of, of uh, government representatives come through and tour the farm and, uh, and, and be public about it. Go, put us on the, on the front page and, and really they're not trying to hide it. They're, they're very much um, hoping to explore and expand their, 
their existing tourism market with medical tourism and allow for people to come down. And uh, it's been a it's been a really interesting, exciting journey. We we came down initially to uh, to to do our retreats and to work with growers, and then thanks to COVID, I stayed and and made a wonderful uh, friendship and partnership with uh, with our growers here and. I, I sleep on the farm most nights when I'm here, and it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. So we we will continue to do it. Now Jamaica and Canada has has a longstanding relationship, uh, going way back to the '70s with um, with Castro and and our current prime minister's uh, father, and uh, they made they made friends in school, and uh, they started to help each other out, and so. At that time, our, I'm giving you a little little history lesson uh, I love side, it. but uh, but they, it, that started a very close bond between Jamaica and Canada, where a lot of uh, Canadians come down to Jamaica, a lot of Jamaicans come up to Canada. Um, it's uh, it's a very close bond where we have I think we have more Jamaicans in Canada than Jamaica has Jamaicans, so uh, so it's really interesting the uh, the friendship, but uh, it allows for us to work together to for our countries. Uh, governments to work together. So when we do our exports, they um, they're they're very open and, and helpful for us to to bring our psilocybin into Canada. And then our Canadians that come down for our retreats, there's many many flights, and so it's helped to build it here for cargo uh, for people. Um, you know, there's a lot of other countries that didn't make psilocybin illegal, but they're a lot harder to get to. And so. The, uh, the existing friendship between our countries and then also the ability to, to easily travel was, was two main things that, that really supported it. And then once I got here, I mean, you, you easily fall in love with the country. It's a, it's a very beautiful country with some really wonderful people. Yeah, that sounds amazing to me. You know, and I wanted to ask you this. It seems to me that there is sort of this new cottage industry where people want to get help and they find themselves wanting an authentic experience. But I've often wondered, you know, I don't know anything about Brazil. I don't know anything about ayahuasca. And, and it seems to me that sometimes the help gets lost in translation and everything is different. What, what does it look like if someone wanted to come down to a retreat down there, Nick, can you walk us through what that what what it might look like for them or why it might be beneficial to them or why why is your retreat or why is a retreat the right thing for some people for some people yeah um well we 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 like to make it uh simple for them so we pick you up we we bring you in a in a private shuttle directly to our retreat space um it's about 85 minutes from either airport which is nice so it's in the it's in the center in the north coast so you can come in from um, Montego Bay or you can come in from Kingston. Uh, once you arrive, you're brought to your room. You have a private ensuite room. And uh, then we, everybody gathers, everybody's met before through our secure telemedicine. Everybody knows each other. They've met our wonderful staff that is here. Um, the, the providers is a mixture of North American providers as well as on the ground. We have a wonderful team that we've really just fostered and we, we understand each other, we get each other. Um, it's very much a family feel between uh, the, everybody that will be helping our guests that come down. And so they have an easy, simple night. They, they have a, a meal, a nice rest, depending on where they've come from. Sometimes it's a long journey, so uh, not much happens other than a meet and greet, a wonderful dinner and, and a nice early night. And then the next morning it's yoga 
in the morning and then they are uh, are connected one-on-one -on -one with our medical providers as well as our uh, ceremony leader and they discuss their what brought them in uh, what they're hoping to achieve their intention um, how much they how much psilocybin they, they feel comfortable with some recommendations and then we uh, we, we basically prepare for their their dose and their doses between 11 and 12 usually and uh, we set it up usually outside depending on weather of course and uh, we have live music which is done by an amazing musician that's local and uh, it's it's magical every single time is magical it's uh, one of my good buddies who works with us he he's in film and he says it's just like kind of a production it, it really is that you have people coming in everybody has particular um particulars whether it's dietary or uh, or requests and and then you have the the setup and then you have uh, a very intentional space that must be protected and then obviously the uh the takedown of the space and then then we do it all again so day two and day three are our dose days very similar uh day three is is a longer integration than day two and uh and then day four is a an integration and a fun day and usually we go to the ocean or we go to these waterfalls and uh and everybody seems to have a wonderful time at those and then day five is uh is either if they're traveling home it's day it's it's travel home time um, or sometimes they want to see the rest of the island so that they they uh, they explore a little more and we help them with that travel getting to the, the next destination on their uh, on their journey I like that sound of that, like the next destination on their journey. You know, for, for some of us, that might be, you know, integration or the next destination. Just, it just sounds so beautiful to me. Is, is there a difference in, like, if, if I come down and I'm severely depressed, is there a difference in the modalities versus someone that's coming down that may have a, an issue with... Um, abuse or is there is there something like different the way people get treated or is there a difference in the way the medicine is described or is there a difference in the way you guys hold space for people between the different problems people may have well i mean our providers are are, are particularly going to to help them out so there's a lot of one-on-ones prior <clears throat> and then obviously after post um the actual protocol of the day is not that much different for each person uh, depending on their dietary requirements, depending on um, the, you know their comfort levels, some people bring um, cute things in into the space with them. One guy I just absolutely loved. He brought a he brought a little Grinch, a little stuffed Grinch. There was like an inside <laughs> joke between him and his wife. So, uh, but that's that's not a major difference. That's just you know some neat things that they bring. Um, other than that, no. Everybody has a different story, of course, and it's. It's taught me personally a lot but by seeing people from all walks of life, everybody's different stories, everybody's different um, things that they're grappling and, and wrestling with. Um, at, uh, you know, the, the connectivity has been the biggest thing that mm. people uh, are looking for and, and it helps them. And being kind of uh, locked down during COVID certainly made it worse for a lot of people. And we've, we've seen that and we've heard that. A lot of people have kind of shut, shut themselves away, even post-COVID, and, and coming down here is some of their, their first times traveling, first times being in space with people that weren't, you know, direct relatives for a long time. And so that alone has helped a lot of people uh, not only learn that 
you know, we all have a story. We all have something that's happened, something that, that was painful. And, and we're all on this, this wild journey together. And it, it doesn't, you know, doesn't need to be, you know, the, the painful story that they know doesn't need to be their life. It doesn't need to be, that's it. And that's who I am. They learn that uh, by, by meeting, you know, total strangers sometimes. Uh, sometimes they come down with a friend or a family member. Uh, but a lot of the time they come down alone and they're, uh, they're a little, you can see they're, they're obviously a little worried, a little, they've got a little anxiety when they come through the door. And then when they're leaving, it's all hugs and, and family. And, and we, we have private secure chat rooms that, that they all share uh, the, for months, for years after we have people yeah. that, that reach out. So it very much is a family vibe at the end of it. Um, so I hope that answers your question. I mean, it's, it's tough to, to, uh, we try and personalize everything for everybody that's dietary. Of course, that's, um, the hormonal work that I told you about. And, and we give them a report after their, their treatment so that they can see, uh, their, their report from the actual retreat itself. And then we do help them with, uh, with tracking their sleep and their activity, uh, for, through some of the wearable partners that we have so that they can continue to monitor their, their well-being even for months after because the integration is the most important uh the, the medicine is one thing and and the space that we provide them with you know we try and do our best but the integration is is key and uh and that can't be kind of uh can't be underestimated at all it's it's really what you do with the medicine and how you kind of take it and then and then stay um stay on top of it and, and bring what you've learned and what you've kind of processed at the retreat what you need to bring it into your life and and basically, you know, hold yourself accountable. Yeah, I like that. It's, it's this idea of holding yourself accountable and doing the work, because a lot of the times you can provide people with medicine, you can provide people with a space. But if they don't continue to do the hard work, which is confronting the issues, confronting the demons or confronting that which brought them to you, then mm -hmm. the then the long term benefits of that are, are pale in comparison to someone that does do the work and makes it that way. Yeah. You answered a lot of my questions. I, my next question was going to be, you know, are there some long-term relationship benefits that you guys offer? Like if someone wanted to come back for a follow-up or do you guys continue to treat them with some of the, you know, your relationship with Lieber labs and per, per you know, do you guys continue to provide treatment or provide follow-ups for people in the future yeah absolutely george yeah and we've got a wonderful partnership in the u.s so for our u.s guests uh, they can be seen by uh, licensed therapists and uh, and that is usually covered by insurance as well so they're able to to carry on uh, it's a wonderful group over at revitalist that we've been partnered up for the last six months on and it's really allowed for anybody but uh, our veteran population specifically to to try uh, psilocybin they've been able to to work with the va so that their ketamine treatments are, are covered this is revitalist specifically and uh, but sometimes it's not enough or they want to explore other compounds and so uh, we've trained their staff on uh, psilocybin therapy and then they'll bring some of their guests down and those guests are are obviously covered by um by their by the va for the therapy post so obviously it doesn't pay for them to come to jamaica but their therapy after they go back to the U.S. is covered, and uh, we open up their 
their therapist group to to anybody that comes down. So if they do have insurance, then they can cover it and uh, and they're seen. Yeah, it seems that you know obviously psilocybin has been doing a tremendous amount of work and a tremendous it has provided a tremendous amount of therapy for people that are facing critical issues. And it seems that the, a lot of veterans are some of the people that have, have not only needed therapy the most, but have benefited from it the most. I'm wondering, is there any particular individuals that may have been veterans that stand out to you that have a story that you can share? You know, it's funny you say that because uh, the, the gentleman I was mentioning earlier is exactly who I was thinking of. Um, wonderful guy, big guy, six, seven, maybe six, eight. And, uh, but so jovial and had really had a, had had a tough time. Um, he, he was, he was going to, uh, he was going to take his life, unfortunately, and posted it on, on Facebook. And his, I, I think it was his wife saw it and, uh, reached out to him as well as his mom. And he was just at that, you know, it's, it's very tough time where, you know, you want to be the person you were and you're not and no matter what you do and 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 you know whatever pills you take it's just not working and and so he had really got to the end of the, his rope unfortunately and so they were able to talk him into uh, driving to um to, to a hospital and uh they they you know were able to, to take his his firearm from him and um and then he got into a uh, a wonderful program with a therapist as well as uh, ketamine treatment and uh, they put him on suicide watch and that's that's the uh that's the va and there's a whole protocol as you could expect with the with the va if you're on suicide watch and without going into all of it um it's it's quite onerous but it's it's important that you know that the people that are, are at risk are are obviously taken care of and and there's particular protocols around that um and then he was offered to come to to Jamaica with with the team at Revitalist, and and he did, and he came in and he was just instantly loved. I mean, he's just a he's a big teddy bear, um, but he had he was wrestling with a, with a, quite a few things, and so he went through his first dose. And usually, the first dose is one where um, people are are a little nervous. They're they're still holding on. They're you know it's it's understandably worrying, and um, and so he he did okay there. Uh, didn't have any major breakthroughs, and so then um, then he went through his second dose with a with a higher higher dose. Uh, he was actually the one of the higher on our scale of of administration. Uh, he he was he was over ten grams. He was twelve grams total, and uh, we don't administer that all at once. Um, and they're 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 monitored, but um, but yeah, he was as I mentioned earlier. Some people do require more, and it's not just the size. Uh, and that second dose really allowed him to break through and uh the next day so day three he was uh or sorry day four he was he was uh you could say see that something had really kind of changed and he he was less angry um less uh full of anxiety and was very much processing there's a lot of processing that happens after so i don't want it to sound like it's a panacea at all but you can you could see with him that that something had changed and uh, a week after he got home, he wrote us a wonderful uh, email and said that he had uh, he had been taken off of suicide watch and was uh, was forever uh, grateful and thankful. And 
it was just so profound for me to to see because we always are asked about other compounds and I can't speak to them because really psilocybin is our world and that's where we are focused natural psilocybin and um, but I'm open to to all of them because I, I think that everybody should have you know the access to the safe compounds that that are out there uh, but it was a really good example of um, ketamine versus psilocybin and and different places that they're doing them. Um, and, and it was just a, a good example. So he still sees his therapist. He still, I think, is, uh, is taking kind of boosters of ketamine. Uh, but for the VA to take him off suicide watch and, uh, and such a wonderful um, post, I, I'll, I'll ask him if he's okay with me sharing, if you want to put it in the show notes, because it was so powerful. It really, uh, it really just confirmed, you know, that to stay, to stay on this path because it's, uh, it's incredibly rewarding. Yeah, I, that's that's a tremendous story, and I yeah I would be stoked if you could ask him if we can share the share more about it and put it in the show notes. I'm I'm curious. That brings up another another set of questions. That that's a huge. That, that that's I'm trying to think of the right word. Like that is a lot of responsibility, Nick. Like, that's a huge responsibility to have someone that you know is in that situation, and then to provide them with the psilocybin for that what does the retreat like it, it seems to me that like how do you set something up like that like if you know this person is coming to you and you know that there's issues there what steps do you take to ensure that person's safety yeah absolutely there's a lot of work before they even book the ticket right and that's most important we we have one-on-ones with our medical provider uh, we usually have a referral from their provider, whether that's a therapist, psychologist, psychiatrist, we want to really get to know them. And then we have our own one-on-one calls with them so that we understand why are you coming down here? Uh, We're really here to help people. Uh, You know, there's other ones if you want to just kind of come down for some psilocybin, but we're, we're here to hopefully help people along their journey and then also um, gather data that we can provide to the community. I mean, that's, that's truly kind of why we're, we're doing this. Um, we do have medical staff, of course, on site. They have privileges at the hospital locally. The hospital is about 20 minutes away, if ever needed. Thank God we've never have. Um, I'll knock on wood. Uh, and, uh, but, um, you know, it's, it's preparation. And then it's, it's really, there's, there's always anybody in our staff can say, you know, they don't feel comfortable. And then we have a protocol for that. So we've really worked on um, trying not to shy away from from helping people that that might have contemplated suicide previously because it's more common than you than you'd think uh but at the same time where where are they at in their journey towards you know trying to get better and so there's people that you know are still unfortunately um in in a particular space where you know we're we're not a, a good fit at this time uh but if people are really really wanting to change and they're really at that that part of their journey, uh, we, we're usually a good fit. So, um, you know, the medical side of things is, is very important. <clears throat> Thank, thankfully, psilocybin has a very good safety record uh, on, on overdose, on addiction. You know, there, there isn't. So that's good. Uh, but of course, you know, you, you've got to be very careful. And, and we, we try to screen as much up front. And then even once they're on site, you know, there's, there's some screening going on as well. And then we do have all of the medical providers that um, that can help them if needed as well on site. Yeah, that that 
that makes me happy to hear. And I, I really think that the feeling of, of feeling rewarded comes from being responsible. And from what I've spoken to you guys about and the research I've looked at, I, I'm thankful you guys are out there. I think you guys are doing awesome things. And, you know, when you, when you help people, you help yourself and you help your community. And this may sound crazy, but I think you help make the world a little bit better by making people around you better. And it, I'm stoked you guys are out there, Nick. I, from everything that I've read and from talking to you, I get the sense that you guys care a lot about, you know, making people better. And by making people better, I mean making people aware of their problems and helping them focus on getting the their own results to their problems by doing the work. And I'm stoked on it, man. I, I really enjoy talking to you and I, I'm looking forward to the next set of, of talks that we have because I think it's important. And I, I think that right now is a time where the science and the medicine are being married and we're, we're pioneering some new areas. And I think we have a lot of opportunities if we do things right. So thanks for what you're doing out there. Is there, let me ask you this. I like to ask people three questions before we start landing the plane. And that is, what is it that you have coming up where can people find you and what are you excited about? Wow. Well, thanks for the kind words there, George. That was, yeah. that was really nice of you. Um, what do we have coming up? We have, we have a, another retreat coming up, uh, end of February, February 23rd. We have, uh, a wonderful documentary coming out. Thanks to the, the folks at ESPN that came down. That's coming out in April, uh, mid April, I think it is. Uh, we have our, our wake Jamaica website that's launching next week. So that'll allow for people to order. Uh, it's, it's exciting for me because it's like the future, I feel yeah. like, you know, the, where you can go online and you can order psilocybin and it gets delivered to your door same day. That's going to be, so wakejamaica.com uh, is going to be online next week. And um, what am I excited about? The, you know, the genie's out of the bottle, you know, <laughs> the, the, nothing's more powerful than an idea is which time has come. Yes, and it is. It's, it's here. And the more that we can respect it and the more that we can understand that it shouldn't be done in a party setting and it should be done with the right people and it should be done safely, the more powerful it will be. So it's something that needs to be respected and, uh, and then provided to, to people that, that are, are looking for it, whether they're looking to get better or they're looking um, to, to, to get out of you know, a hole. So yeah, that's what I'm most excited about. And where can they find us? Wake.net is uh, is the website, and then uh, we're on the 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 Twitters and the the LinkedIn's and all of that under Wake Network as well. Fantastic, and I'll put all that in the show notes. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for hanging out with Nick and I, and uh, look forward to uh, some more conversations coming up. I'll be posting those for those who uh, are curious. Look up Nick. Uh, reach out to him if you're curious about learning more. He's a cool person. Reach out to the True Life Podcast. All the stuff will be in the show notes. That's what we got for today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for spending time with us, and we'll talk to you soon. Aloha. Thank Thanks a lot, George. Appreciate it. No problem. I'm going to hang up. Hang on one second after I, I end this broadcast here. Hey, buddy.
Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.